Hi, my name is Bianca Cotton, founder of Behind the Confident Smile, the podcast, and I am so excited to be joined by Tierra Burton here today. Thank you so much for being here, Tierra. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you today. Of course. Now, let's talk a little bit about who you are. Yes, my name is Tierra Burden. I am founder and creator of Conceal in a Prayer Life. I am a wife and mom of four and a mindfulness uh, coach and mental health advocate. Wow, mom of four. You look gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> when you were younger, maybe in your teenagehood, did you ever envision yourself being a mom of four? No. <laughs> and I always, me and my sister, we always joke about this. Literally, the other day, we were just like, how do we end up with four kids? Like, mm. so as a as a teenager, I always knew that I would have a family, but to have strategically planned out being a mom of four that that wasn't in the cards. But I always had an open vision of just being a mom or motherly, not not to my own kids, maybe rich auntie <laughs> vibes. But I knew kids would be in the cards. <laughs> wow! So what changed over time from being rich auntie to mom of four? I believe, too. I'm the oldest also of seven. So mm. I come from a very big family. You know, sometimes being the oldest, you are sometimes the default parent. Um, so I help my mom with my siblings. And I've always been around just like amazing mothers. So I feel like some of those qualities kind of rubbed off on me, which started to then change my view as I got older with kind of accepting that, you know, mm. maybe marriage and family could be something that I would look forward to one day. And then here we are one day, four kids later. Wow. Ten years married. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's teenage me would be like, wow, we got four <laughs> kids. <laughs> right? I know when usually sometimes when the oldest sibling, especially of seven, they like, I'm not having no kids because I've been mother already. Now, sometimes that happens, but my sister under me was the mama, mm. and I was like the third mama. So I was like the assistant <laughs> to the assistant of the mama. So she was just like, and I, I feel like I gleaned towards her too because she was so motherly. And I was just like, wow, that's beautiful. Like, I want to have that nurturing aspect. So I got to see it in her, with even her being my youngest sister, I was still able to look up to her with that attribute that she had and still want that nurturing kind of thing too. So I didn't want to shy away from kids because literally whole life, a house full of kids, literally. Mm. So it was always noise, always chaos to the point where when I moved out, it was a shock to my system and it made me depressed because I missed mm. the chaos and I was sad and lonely and I was just like, wow, I really need to be around like my siblings or just be around people in general because I was so used to being around. I mean, you wake up, it's a party. It's it's about 12 people in the house. <laughs> and like, you know, most of them are your siblings. Yes, <laughs> party. We didn't have to invite anybody. We got all the besties already here with us. Wow. So... Upon having your first child, like take us on the journey of how that, how you felt about that. I think motherhood hit me in a way that I was not expecting. Mm. I didn't know that I internalized so much of other people's journey that it would almost cause my 
depression because I was so focused on how they were doing things. I had to have the baby wraps. I had to have the, you know, I had to be nursing all the time. So I really battled a lot with comparison, which I, and I was such a person that's kind of like my own person where it's like, forget what everyone else says, run to the beat of your own drum type of person. But then it was like, I need to be like these moms. So it kind of really hit me in a way that I was not expecting with the comparison piece Mm -hmm. to where I had to really learn how to be my own type of mother and not compare myself to my sisters or my own mom. Or honestly, I had it real bad with comparison to Instagram moms. Mm. Perfectly laid out. Their kids look like they listen to them all the time. How do they get them to sit still for these pictures? pictures? I don't know. I don't know. Still trying still to figure, trying to that, figure out, that out. Literally. <laughs> like, so when I had my first baby, it was just like, we need to be like this. And this is the perfect mommy that mm. I have in my head. She doesn't work. She stays home. I worked a full-time job. I was literally working retail. So where I was away from my baby, like from, I would drop him off at daycare, maybe seven o'clock in the morning and almost wouldn't see him till almost 11 o'clock at night. And Mm. so that really was hard because again, I had this picture of perfection of motherhood in my head that I was just not meeting. And I mean, it would be meltdowns if I didn't pack the diaper bag right. Or, and my husband would be like, girl, (laughs) What's going on? And I didn't have verbiage for what I was Mm. feeling until later. And it was like, wow, like I was really battling with comparison. I was also battling with grief of going from single, Mm -hmm. living my life like it's golden. Not to say (laughs) that, that that wasn't a part of marriage, but now I've gone from single to now I'm married now I'm married with a baby and it was like who am I I was struggling just in my identity so my first baby we went through a whole lot (laughs) we grew together and like as I see him grow I see even bits and pieces of myself like wow that's been healed and now I can be on this new type of journey with him as being sure in myself and who I am as his mom now versus when we first brought him home from the hospital, my husband and I, we wanted to take him back for like everything. <laughs> We're like, wow, he's crying a lot. We should take him back. Like wow. something's wrong. <laughs> so like from that point to now, it's like a, a full turnaround. Mm. But like the beginning of it was such a struggle. And that's because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know that I still had a whole lot of stuff in here that mm. also didn't come to the surface until you know, I had brought the baby home and now I'm a full-time mommy. I'm a full-time working mommy. And I have this person that's dependent on me, not only my husband anymore. So it was a lot of struggle, like in my identity and finding security and just being my own type of mom. So I really struggled with comparison, with grief of my past self. And I didn't have verbiage or language for those type of things, which made it I believe even worse and maybe more into myself because I was like, you know, am, plus, am I the only person? That I, experienced yes. So this? when you go through those certain things, you start to feel like I am the only person feeling this because mm-hmm. you're looking at picture perfect Instagram. None of them are sharing their struggles. Everything is, you know, laid out perfectly, you know, and it's just like, who do I go to to tell about this type of stuff? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I didn't have anyone to kind of turn to during that time. Um, So it was a lot of stuff that I just had to work through. And I call myself, uh, um, 
I am a healed <laughs> suppressor. <laughs> now, now, unpack that. What is a, what is a healed suppressor? At a very long time, um, even from the age of, I want to say five, I learned very quickly how to just, this is not a good emotion. I'm going to put it somewhere and just leave mm. it. I don't want to address it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to act like. It either didn't happen or it's not as bad as it would have been. So I learned to internalize a lot of stuff, which is I'm not going to address it at all. So if I don't address it, that means, avoidance. you know, it didn't happen. Oh, I was the avoidance queen. Still kind of struggle with that. <laughs> but that that's, that's to my core, that's who I was. So I made up in my mind, like, if we didn't acknowledge these things, then that, that kept the harmony in my life. Mm. And so as I got older... That, that starts to pour out into everything, motherhood, marriage. So it's like if I'm having these issues within my motherhood journey, if I start to tell people this and they start to see this, how are they going to look at me? Like, you know, how am I going to look at myself? I already had an obscured view of myself in the first place, but now I have to come to reality with these emotions and feelings that I'm actually feeling. No. It can, be, gonna... it can be a bit much and it, overwhelming, yeah. yes. especially... If you have never seen that type of motherhood journey before and you're in a circle uh, and your social circle anywhere, social media, we, we want people to see us in our best light. Yes. But being vulnerable can be very hard. So one thing I wanted to go back to is how... How old is your oldest? Like, how many years ago did you bring him home? Yes, my baby will be nine Wow! in October, and I still remember it, just bringing him home and just, like, sitting on the couch, like, first of all, we went from <laughs> not having any baby stuff in our house to we come home from the hospital, there's swings, there's a bassinet, is diapers everywhere. It's just, it was overwhelming to... This is literally, we left one way and we're literally coming back a different way. So it was a lot to grasp. (laughs) It was literally like night and day, but having that moment to where it was just like reality hits you when you first hear them cry outside of the hospital and you looking for the nurse. Nice. Hello. They didn't come nurse, home with you. Where, every two hours, somebody come and knocking on the door. Like, where, where are they at now? Like, they're not here. And it's like, wow, like this is real life. So that was almost nine years ago. And it has been such a beautiful journey. It's been hard days, hard times, a lot of tears, meltdowns for mommy and babies. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been full circle. It's almost like looking at him. That's why I said looking at him mm-hmm. and watching him grow. It's almost like looking at yourself and knowing, like, how it was when I first brought him home to how it is now. And just the type of little boy that he is. It's like, wow, you know, I took part in nurturing him and helping him and it's just like wow it's like looking at yourself yeah like it's just a, a small version of everything <laughs> you know it's just a beautiful mirror. so what happened when baby two baby number two came around did you have similar experience similar grief and like what did I do <laughs> I'm sitting back on this couch you know what I feel like there are so many books and things that prepare you for baby number one, mm. but there was no, I'm talking about no resources to prepare you from going from one to two. And that's like a whole different type of 
mom guilt on top of like what is happening now my struggle was now i got these two little people i don't want one to feel like they're getting less love than the other or something like that so that was a new every baby comes with a new set of Mm -hmm. of learning and adjusting so with baby number two i felt more secure in who i was like as a mom but then it was like those like oh like i don't want my oldest to feel neglected like how do i love them both can my heart have room for them both like can those I type, expand can I expand what is my husband going to feel like because now there's two little babies and there's just one of him and it's just one of me so what is this going to look like in this house um my son at the time um he was born during a time where I feel like the whole family needed him the most because that was mm. the first time my mom had went into the hospital so it was a very very tumultuous time like when we found out that he was um, we conceived him he's a rainbow baby so he was born after a miscarriage so there's like grief on top of that that I was still working through both of them are rainbow babies um so again with the rainbow baby it's a baby conceived after a miscarriage Mm -hmm. so again um I was able to handle the second miscarriage better and then now here's David we have him here and it was just working through trying to balance the mom of two life. And I was still Mm -hmm. working. Um, Now I have a sick mother that we had to tend to. And there was just a lot going on around the time of his birth. But I felt like he was still here to give me something to concentrate on. That was like a glimmer of joy and hope. It's like it's still beauty and everything that was going on around us. So baby number two just brought about a new level of just confidence and being sure in myself that everybody's going to be okay and like I can do it. Although I had moments of feeling like, I don't know, <laughs> we're, we're going to get through most days, but you know, and now he's about to be seven. So mm. we made it through. We're still here. Right. He's, he's he's a middle child <laughs> and he's a middle child to his core. He, he middle childs. <laughs> and I think, the I don't know days are more common than not yes. because each each child is different. You are different as they d- grow and develop because you're growing and developing because you're intentional about yes. that journey. So you mentioned rainbow babies and uh, your two oldest were born after a miscarriage. What was that like for you? The first miscarriage rocked my world. First of all, I didn't know the first time. I didn't know about a miscarriage or what a miscarriage was until I was experiencing one. Mm -hmm. Literally took a nap. Everything was fine. This was after we announced it to everyone, came back Mm -hmm. from the doctor, took a nap, woke up, and there was uh, bleeding. So I call my mom and I'm like, I think something's wrong. And she's like, you're having a miscarriage. And I was just literally, I, I remember to this day, I was like, what's a miscarriage? Wow. And she was like, you need to go to the hospital right away. So that was like my first experience with the whole thing. I didn't know what was happening. My medical papers were saying something different. You, this is our first time like having an ultrasound and I can't look at the screen. The nurse was like, I can't tell you anything. One of the doctors said um, bad things happen to good people. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. So, okay. And so it was like a lot of unanswered Mm. questions. It's just like with miscarriages because they really don't, they can't really tell you what causes it. So it's like a a searching 
that goes on internally. It's like, and then you, the guilt that comes with it. You, I personally start to feel like a failure. Like mm-hmm. my body failed me. I wasn't doing my, my woman thing, whatever the woman thing was supposed <laughs> to be. Like I was inadequate as a woman. So it really, really hit my self-esteem really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is still on top of being a new wife. So right. we had, that was a honeymoon baby. <laughs> oh. It was a honeymoon baby and we were excited. And then we were met. Like we went from such a high, high from just being newlyweds and now a baby. And it was just like. To like low, 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 low. And I think from such one extreme to the next, um, and again, not knowing how to cope in a healthy way, mm-hmm. it made me go back within myself. It again, the grief because I didn't have language. I didn't know that you can still absolutely experience postpartum depression after a miscarriage. Mm. I was going through that and I didn't know. So the whole journey with the first one is just. I didn't know anything. So I had to learn a lot like right. while I was going through it. I journaled a lot. Um, it was a very dark time during that time because my thoughts were just, I just felt so out of control and just mm-hmm. so all over the place. And my poor husband, he was just like, I just want you to be back to yourself. <laughs> and I was like, I do too, but I don't know who that is right now. So and I don't know how to get there. I don't there. know how to get back there. So yeah. that was such a... I want to say it it was a dark time only because, again, um, the depression, the grief, I was grieving more than I thought that I would. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you just find out you're pregnant. And then what I think is most hard about miscarriages is that you grieve what could have been. Yeah. What you grieve like the possibilities. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have any memories to grieve off on because I literally just found out, you know, weeks ago that we were pregnant. So there's no memories of, you know, belly growing, who right. is this in? So I couldn't grieve like someone that I knew. I didn't know the baby. I didn't know. But you grieve like the future. What mm-hmm. could have been? Who this little baby could have been? What kind of parent I could have been to this baby? So you grieve that. And it's that is such a a difficult type of grief to walk through because you go through the different stages and you you still just don't have the answers. There's just no answer. So you have to go through a level of acceptance Mm -hmm. and it takes like really getting in and really trying to verbalize and vocalize like the exact feelings that you're feeling and being okay with it. I had to learn how to be okay with saying, I am not well. I am prayer is getting me through I don't know if it's working, but I'm <laughs> still here. Real. So that's where I was. And I had to be okay with that. Right. And like, it was from that experience where I was like, I don't want another mother feeling mm. the way that I feel right now. Because not only did I just learn about a miscarriage, I didn't know about it. I didn't know like who to talk to about it because in the church, it was very, it was a tai- taboo type of topic. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that. It was very hush hush. I remember people being like, oh that happened to you I'm sorry like and whispering, that's it. literally whispering I'm just like why are we whispering why can't we talk about this this is a normal occurrence and then it comes out later like other people experienced mm-hmm. it and, and they didn't know like, what to do with it either to do and then you know it's just one of those topics that's still very hush hush touchy it's very touchy um but I knew in that moment I didn't want another mother to feel like they were alone with that type of heaviness by yourself Mm -hmm. and not having language and verbiage and just the freedom to say, I'm not well, like I'm not okay. 
Um, or say I'm angry. I'm yeah. angry at God. I'm angry at. Well, I'm depressed. You know, I'm depressed. Like just to have the freedom to say that, which is my journal. That's where it all <laughs> was. I went, I remember finding the notebooks and being like, let me close this. Back. <laughs> Thank God we're not here anymore. <laughs> so Definitely. it was just um, the first time, like I said, it rocked my world. And it was only because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when you go through life and you learn things and you go through them, it's like the second time it happened, it was like, okay, I know what's going to happen. I know the procedure. Um, I know, but that didn't make it hurt any less. Right. It just made you more prepared. So you right. kind of brace yourself for whatever wave of emotions. But And then at the same token, it gives you the opportunity to create space. So during mm-hmm. those times, I was actually creating space for myself, but I didn't know that I was doing that because, again, didn't have verbiage for it. Right. But I knew that the second time around, I gave myself the permission to feel whatever emotions mm-hmm. that were going to rise from this particular loss because it's still a loss. It's still, you know, whether it was a surprise, whether it was planned or whatever, it, it's still a loss. Definitely. So you had to give yourself permission to feel whatever emotions are going to come with it. Yeah. First time, your girl was almost out of here. Second time, it it was not, it was it still hurt, but I understood what was happening. I understood that this is a natural thing. I didn't have to hate my body because of what was mm. happening. I didn't have to hate myself because of what was happening. I didn't have to question my womanhood because of what was happening. So it was just an understanding of this is natural and it happens and it's okay. Mm. That's a lot. <laughs> that's that's a lot. And I'm thinking about the women who are listening or will be tuning in and say, I can relate to that. I have experienced a miscarriage and maybe I've kept it to myself and didn't know who to share it with. Or maybe I did, but I have not allowed myself to feel the feelings. How How does one... Do that. Sit with, this is how I feel. It it brings us back to the topic of this talk, which is vulnerability. It takes intentionality with really saying, I am going to come face to face Mm. with whatever it is inside of here that I didn't want myself to see or anybody else around me to see. So I always say vulnerability takes courage. To feel your feelings takes courage. It takes practice. It takes compassion. It takes acceptance. You have to first be okay with knowing you're you're about to become undone, mm. but you have to create that safety around yourself first. So I feel like a lot of us can't be vulnerable with each other, which is why we hide that type of information, because I don't want to make you uncomfortable but I haven't learned how to make my own self uncomfortable and be okay with that first. So vulnerability mm-hmm. is that being uncomfortable with you first. Everything that we want and we need and we seek from out of other people, we got to give that to ourselves first. And I learned that with just going through those type of losses is you have to do that first with you. So if you have to get a notebook out and literally write out, today I feel. hmm and we're not making a good or bad category because I think for the mm. for the most part, a lot of us don't want to really check in with ourselves because of the judgment. Judgment tells you this is good, this is bad. Yeah. Acceptance tells you this is neither good or bad. It, it is it what is. it is. It, this is this is it. So the vulnerability piece with 
trying to process through such a a loss like that, a miscarriage or, you know, a pregnancy loss is you really, really have to be open with whatever emotions are going to come up, pause, give yourself space and grace, really just, you want to just make sure that you're using quality time to check in with yourself and just ask yourself certain questions. Again, you can start with how do I feel today? Or mm. regarding the miscarriage, how did this make me feel? Mm. When I was told that the baby or the pregnancy is no longer viable, how did that make me feel in the moment? So it's those those type of questions that you cannot answer yes or no to. Right. You know, it's you have to answer that question. If you say, Tierra, how do you feel right now? I cannot say yes or no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to, <laughs> and, but and, you cannot. And also <laughs> saying I'm good is really not... Expressing how you feel because good is not a feeling. And I'm not coming at nobody because I am a recovering person who is good for saying good uh, and fine. But actually looking at the emotions list and saying, how do I feel today? Yes. About or how do I feel about this situation? How do I feel about my motherhood journey? Absolutely. And it, it comes with being okay with asking yourself first those type of questions. Mm. Yes, yes. So, Tierra, you have shared so much with us and laid it all out on this table here. <laughs> Vulnerability and motherhood, uh, miscarriages, and bringing your first child home and saying, this is not what I saw on Instagram. <laughs> this is this is not in the books, y'all. Somebody lied to me. Right. Somebody lied. And just encouraging other moms to open up about their journeys, whether it's with themselves, with their inner circles, and to reach out for help if they need it. Absolutely. So reach out for help, you all. I know it can be tough. I know it can be hard, especially if you got the cape on your back and being super mom. But it is okay to take the cape off. And that's why we were here to discuss this topic here today. So thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank you for having me. (laughs)